Hey, welcome to the Fit Archer Podcast, my friends. Episode 50, I get a chance to talk to my good friend and absolute Arizona hunting legend, Dwayne Adams. Dwayne is from Dwayne Adams Hunting, and uh, he's literally a 40-year-old legend. Uh, he's been hunting for 40 years. He's not 40 years old. He's a little bit older than that, but he's a legend in Arizona. Coos deer guide. He's killed over 500 deer on public land, coos deer, and just whoppers. Uh, he's a mule deer, a world-class mule deer guide, a world-class elk guide. If you like to hunt quail, he, they, do, they do that. If you take, you want to learn how to glass with uh, big binoculars off a tripod, he's the grandfather of long-range glassing here. And just, again, I can't say enough about just the, the impact and the uh, contribution he's made to the outdoor industry here in the Southwest and to have a great conversation with him about a whole bunch of stuff. And it's always fun to talk to Dwayne. He's a passionate guy. He loves the outdoors, loves his family. He loves the Lord Jesus. And, and it all comes through when you get to hear him talk. So make sure you give this a listen to share it with your friends because he is the guy. If anybody draws an Arizona strip uh, strip tag or kaibab tag or coos deer tag and you want the world-class guide and, and experience you can get, Dwayne is a guy you want to hire. So uh, I'll put all his information contact information a phone number in the show notes just thanking our sponsors of the podcast and partnerships that we have well-built supplements um you can check out their line at uh, wellbuiltsupplements.com use discount code wellbuiltjp you'll save 15 percent off any of the products uh, a bunch of stuff that i use from them their uh their branch chain amino acids flavored are incredible they're in a powder form they're creatine glutamine they just got amazing stuff he's got some pre-workout got some incredible supplements and you get a discount using discount code wellbuiltjp because it saves you 15 percent off phoenix shooting bags my good buddy anthony stallone over there makes the greatest most durable and lightest shooting bags in the industry if you do any long-range shooting whether that's hunting or competitive shooting his bags are the ones that you need to have and you can get a 15 percent discount off those using the fit archer as a discount code at checkout you can check them out at phoenixshootingbags.com enter the fit archer and get 15 percent off and then my dual partnership over at schmitty specialty strings and lacrosse archery uh, the world-class archery shop that i used to work at have a great relationship with and i send everybody there matter of fact i've had a lot of people reach out getting new bows you got a great opportunity um, with their manager over there my good buddy anthony schmidt he's the owner operator of schmidty specialty custom strings you can check them out at ssstrings.com any color that you want bow make and model of your bow tell me the color and the make and model of your bow i'll order them up for you you'll get a 20 percent discount off custom strings he'll drop ship them right to you and you got the best strings in the industry he's, he's made over a hundred thousand strings and he does them himself so it's really good but at their archery shop if you're looking for a new bow they're going to cut you a great deal if you're one of my listeners and uh, you just, again, I'll, you contact me. I'll put you in contact with him. He's going to give you $100 off a new bow price, $100 discount, and he's going to throw a Schmitty Specialty Strings on for free. So that's $170 value. So you're getting $270 off with a custom string and a brand new bow. So make sure you hit them up as well. Just just contact me, and I'll put you in touch with them. So thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Um, love doing it. Love sharing it. Um, if you would, just give us a review and share it with anybody you want. But just continue to be a good, loyal listener. I appreciate it very much, more than you know. God bless you. God bless our country. You are listening to the Fit Archer Podcast. All hunting, all fitness, all the time. Well, welcome to the podcast, my good buddy Dwayne. How are you? 
I'm good, JP. Good, good. Good to hear from you. Yeah, we were just uh, monkeying around with some sound here for a little bit. As I say in just about every podcast, I'm no professional podcaster. I just love to have fun and have good conversations. And I'm excited to talk to you today because there's a lot going on in the Arizona world and the outdoors and everything else. You bet. Yeah. Man, I tell you. A whole lot. There is. So before we get into all that, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. I haven't been down by Nick or... You know, summer's up and we get busy. I see. I think you were up north for a little while with the kids and grandkids, weren't you? Yeah, we were up there fly fishing with the grandkids. We had a great time with Nick and and uh, my grandsons, and we had a great time. You better believe it. Were you up by where you elk? Were you elk hunt? Yeah, we were, uh, but we was on the reservation. Uh, the reservation always has better fishing, so I like fishing there. So yeah, we were we were, we were on the Fort Apache. So when you go up there um, and you turn it into a summer a trip, do you do any kind of scouting or anything? No, no, I really don't. I just because I've got the grandkids and and so I I, I want to pour all my time into my grandkids and when hunting then I can play play hunting. But it's it's time to play with the grandkids, so I don't. Well, you're a good grandpa, good dad. Um, what did it look like up there? I mean, there's fires everywhere in Arizona, but what is it? What did it look like up that way? I was actually flabbergasted that it was green as it was. I didn't, I, I, I didn't think it would be green at all, but it was. And and now they're getting quite a bit of rain. I talked to my uncle the other day, and they got three inches, three different rains uh, in three days at, at about four inches uh, in Pine Top. And so he, he keeps me informed. So if they're getting the rain there, uh, Big Lake is getting pounded because it's another 2,000 feet higher. So Oh, good. yeah. Man, that's got to be good. I well, I got an elk tag, you know, in the center part of the state. And I went up, uh, <clears throat> we'll talk about trail cameras here in a little while, but I went to set some trail cameras, which I never do. I'm not a trail camera guy, but I have an elk tag and I had four cameras. And I thought, well, I'll go put a trail camera. I'll put some up. And two, let's see, four or five weeks ago, I was turkey hunting up there and the, the tanks were full. They looked really good. The feed didn't look that great, but the water was really good and then we went back up to set the cameras three of the holes three of the tanks that i wanted to set a camera on were bone dry yeah i believe that well hopefully they hopefully now they've they've started to get some good rains up there praise god let's let's pray that they they continue getting the rains up there well i i I almost facebooked that out the one day it was right before we got that last monsoon last weekend and I was going to message like all the hunter buddies, like, hey, you got to start praying. Like, God answers prayer. And it talks about it in the Bible. Elijah prayed. I think it was Elijah in, for rain, and it rained for three years. And then he prayed that it didn't, and it didn't rain again. Like, he hears us. Yeah. And so we should be praying for rain because our state needs it. There's a lot of states that need it, but we really need it. Oh, that's the truth. We need it. We need it bad. Uh, uh, they, t- uh, today at 6 o'clock this morning, they opened up uh, the Kaibab. And Coconino opened up yesterday, and, and so the forests are all back open, uh, and so that's good. I, I, if they're opening the forest up there, they must be getting more rain up there than we than most people think because they kept them closed because there was no rain. Right. So there are some websites. I don't know if do you know what they are. I've seen people post about them before. There's that guy that is down south. He's a big mule deer hunter. I don't know who he is. You do. Um, if I said his name, you'd know it, but I don't know his name. But he kills a big desert buck every year and he pays attention to like spots of water like where what areas got water and he uses i maybe he uses google earth i think google earth is a has a precipitation chart with it i don't know if that's true or not but if it does it's a good way to check if your areas are getting any rain or what areas are getting rain 
Well, that's pretty smart and, and good for him. Uh, I don't know who you're talking about, but I'm sure if you said the name, I'm sure I'd know him right off the top of my head. I don't, I don't know who it is. He's some guy that killed a giant down there a couple of years ago, like a 240. Oh, I know who you're talking about. You're talking about a Yuma. Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a mineral yeah. guy. He does something with minerals yeah, and all that remember. stuff. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about. Chad yeah, he, Roberts. That's it, who it is. Yeah, he had a good yeah, tip. It, it was uh, a, yeah. you know, look at the precipitation in each area, and, and and basically what I what I took from what he was saying was dictated where he hunts is what areas get rain. So maybe he hunted one unit last year, but that's not a unit he's going to spend time in this year because the unit, you know. The three units over got more precipitation, so he was just going to go hunt over there. I thought it was kind of, that was a neat little tip. Yeah, it is, especially in the desert. You better believe it. Yeah. Well, what about, do you guys got any fires down by you? No, not right now. Thank God, uh, JP. We put them out. Uh, I think the rain came through and helped, helped put them out over this area. We had one over there in the Caleros, and I don't see the smoke anymore, so I think that that, that helped put it out. So I, don't, I think it, it helped uh, get rid of it. Man, you just you guys have been hammered. I think Arizona in general. The, you know, I've, I've only lived here eight years, and the last two years, you, you'd know, you know, obviously there's fires every year, but it just seems like the last two years there was there's an, an extensive amount of fires going on all at once. I don't know what, what the deal is, but this year, too, well, there was we, a lot. We, we quit logging in, in, in back in the early 90s, and now this is a repercussion of doing that. They did, they did a great service then logging they'd cut the slash piles and go back in the winter and burn them and and it kept all the ladder fuel and all the nonsense and you know you're talking about 30 years and here we are and now we've got so much fuel out there when you catch a fire they're not going to stop it it burns you know hundred thousand acres in no time anymore and half a million acres have burned in the big lake area so they used to log there was they were logging all over jp and there's not now so that's that's the recipe but you've got all the green people that's going to throw a fit if you crank turn the chainsaw up and start doing a commercial. So they'd rather have their house burned down. That's pretty much the way it's going to be. Yeah. So what causes all the fires? That's always been something I've wondered. Like I never hear, you know, what I've heard theories and rumors, but I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you know. I mean, what, most what? of them are man caused and, and, and a lot of them are lightning caused. And I think that's the two culprit right there, man caused and, and lightning. But. Regardless how they're caused, JP, it's it's the cost of putting them out is what's brutal. Yeah, and, uh, brutal. I mean, it, it costs you know the, all those boys that died up there in in, in the Prescott area. You know, there's a lot of cost financially, destroy homes. So, you know, we, we could go in here and start cleaning this forest back up like they did because all when I was a kid growing up, we never heard any fires in seventies, eighties. All I never heard of any fires like they had now. But once they stopped it in the 90s, now it's it, it, we're on fire every year now. We're going to keep on staying on fire. It's that simple until uh, we change. You know, it's it, you know how it is, JP, when you're fighting the government. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. Well, not simple to fight the government. They don't listen to the people, which is what they're supposed to do. They don't seem to, you know, it doesn't seem to happen that way. But the unit, um, the unit 33 fire that was last year. Right. Um, what is that unit looking like? Is that open back up for hunting? I mean, did it devastate? I mean, I know it devastated areas, but I mean, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's horrible, JP. It's, it, they, we haven't had enough moisture for the food to grow 
there, and, and there's where I used to see lots and lots of deer. I see very few deer. So the the fire had a, an unbelievable devastation because generally we have those fires in like we had last year, and then we have a lot of winter. We could have some snow, and 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 it melts down. We didn't have anything like that. What little snow they had up there was nothing, and so the green didn't grow. There's no food for the poor things to eat. And I give glassing lessons up there. And I mean, it's brutal. I mean, it's just bald hills. And the, I can see what the deer are eating. They're just trying to just get along. I mean, there, there's not enough food there right now. And I recommended people to call me. I said, I wouldn't hunt the Catalinas this year. I would let it set for another year and let some more moisture. Like, we've starting to get some monsoons up there, which we didn't get no range last year. So we're going on two years here. That, that uh, I wouldn't want a Catalina tag. I wouldn't want, want one. And, and that's why the game of fish cut all those tags out of it. They cut the heck out of those tags because they realized that, that, it, that, that the mountain had taken a, a, a tremendous beating with that fire. I was going to ask you that if they have uh, what they did with tags. So they did cut some tags out of there. Yeah, cut several. They, they, they cut uh, two or three hundred out of every hunt. Well, that's probably pretty good. Um, even before the fire, I think they should have probably done that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It was way over hundred before that. You're right. But yeah, you know, I, I know. I mean, Game and Fish gets a bad rap. They got things going on right now with uh, cameras. We'll talk about that. They got things going overcharging people, and I mean, those are gross mistakes. And but it, you know, it's such a great state like Arizona. You know, I didn't grow up here, so I didn't get to see everything that you saw and how good it is, and, and how good it is, how good it was, how good it is. And I came from Wisconsin, but um, I just see you know organizations like that just really being in a, between a rock and a hard place. Uh, I always do. Anytime they got decisions to make, and they have a huge uh, voice on the other, you know, the hunting opposition voice is always after hunters and they're always after closing, you know, cat hunts and national forests and public land. They're trying to always do that. And then you got a state like Arizona where they got to try to balance um, quality versus quantity. You know, they just want to give out a bunch of tags and some units and then save some units for really, really good quality. I, I mean, I always want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, I think they're doing what's best for us, but they're just in a, it's a tough situation they're in to try to get it right all the time. And if they don't, boy, I bet they hear it's not one job that I would want to have. That's for sure. No. And, and it, everything you said there is pretty true. It's a, it's a hard balancing, balancing, especially with the cameras. Uh, I mean, that, that, that's, that's a touchy subject to a lot of people and a lot of people including myself I, I don't care about the cameras it's not that important to me but a lot of people it is important so and you have, you know they think that their rights are being trampled on and maybe they are I, I don't know but uh, they had to do something I, I guess there was a tremendous amount of complaints is, is what they're saying I, I don't know you know but I've always used my binoculars to find animals so it's not it, cameras have not been that, that, that important to us yeah, I've said the same thing. I've never been a camera guy. Actually, I owned cameras for a lot of years, and they never left my house. I think I put one out since I've lived in Arizona, and I got like 50 pictures of cows and one squirrel, no deer, no javelina. So I'm like, well, that was a waste of my time. So I didn't put it back out again. But I did. I got a buddy that owns a camera company, so he sent me a few. Uh, a couple of years ago when I had that Goulds tag. And so, <laughs> this is funny. So I got all excited, you know, and I went down to Southern Arizona to put some cameras out. And all I got on camera was hikers. 
And I'm like, well, this is just a waste of time. I hate cameras. Well, I drew this elk tag and I have four cameras. And I'm like, well, it's, you know, then they outlawed them or put a ban on them for hunting purposes starting in January. So I'm like, I have four cameras here. I might as well just put them out. So I haven't checked them yet. I'm going to go check them Saturday. They'll be out for two weeks. I'll just go pull the cards real quick and then, you know, get out of there. And part of me is excited to see some animals, and part of me is, you know, a little bit apprehensive of they're just, I'm not even going to have any elk on them. It's just going to tick me off. So I'm going to take them down and just hunt the way I know how to hunt. So I don't know. But I don't, I didn't, I did call in. I'll be honest with you. I did want to voice my opinion. Um, I called into the, um, whatever they were having, the little meeting on it on one of the Fridays. And I called in and voiced my opinion that I posed their trail camera ban, not because I use them, only because I, I feel I'm, I'm one that feels the way that if they take these and people are speaking out, what else can we speak out against that we could lose? And so I, I'm not one for giving anything to the government if possible. Um, but again, they're in between a rock and a hard place. You know, I, I don't deal in the units. I don't hunt in the units where what I understand is an overuse of cameras and fighting and stealing and all that. I've never been in those units before, so I don't, I don't see what they see. So, well, I think that's exactly right. I think they probably got tired of people calling my cameras are stolen. And at least that's what I'm being told. You know, I, uh, but in a lot of tanks, I mean, you, there is 10, 20, 30 cameras up there in the Kaibab and the strip. I, I, I've seen them, but, uh, I, I don't know. I don't use them because, uh, uh, we use binoculars, so they've not been a lot of help for us. Once those deer start to migrate in the Kaibab, and you've been there with us, you, I mean, we're, those cameras aren't doing us any good. I mean, I mean, they're not to me anyway because they're moving and we're dropping down with the deer. So it's right. pretty simple as that. Right. So how do you think, um, you know, if you put yourself in a situation of guys that maybe in some of those premier units that use a lot of cameras, you know, they're running them. And you hear the – I've heard podcasts where guys are running – 100, 125 cameras. And I, I, I get it. I, I know what they're doing. How do you think that's going to change some of those units? Like in your mind, you know, being around hunting and just a legend is doing as long as you have and as good as you guys have for so long. How do you think that's going to change hunting right away and then in the future? What do you think that'll look it like? Change it right away for, for those, those, those governor bucks that those guys are finding and selling. They won't fail to sell and buy anymore. And, and it's that simple because when they find a picture of a buck that's X amount or a bull that's way over 400 or a, a 250 mule deer, and now you're going to have to take somebody's word that I glassed a deer like that, and they're going to have to put the footwork in like I did in the old days. That's, that's the difference. You're going to have to put the footwork in. It's a lot easier to have a picture and surround it with 30 people, and that's what they've been doing. And so... That's going to be out, so it's going to put a uh, it's going to put a lot of pressure to kill that high quality buck and bull. Where before they knew that thing was there, and they could have somebody hang out there and look at it and stay with those de those deer or elk. So it's going to change it drastically. I I think it's going to help the hunting uh, myself. I think that. So a lot of the great big bucks will make it through where they didn't before because once they found them, they could hunt them till they killed it. Hmm. So explain to the listeners like that don't understand this, um, a governor's tag. Like, what, what what's that process look like? And, and if if you have an idea, um, I think you probably even guided some governor's tags. Maybe I'm not quite sure, but what are the what does the price of that tag typically go for? Well, about three hundred thousand plus for. 
the mule deer and elk tag and that about for the same thing there for the sheep tag and 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 it and, and probably between thirty and sixty thousand for a coos deer tag and then they can hunt the whole year is what it's it's uh i believe it's from august 1st uh, all the way through year to back to august 1st again or thereabouts and so they get to hunt the full year and to, to kill a deer or kill an elk or kill a sheep and that, that's that's how the governor tag goes so it's 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 a great program to build water tanks and to enhance the mule deer and coos deer and elk population it's they built the, the game and fish have done a great job of donating that that money uh a percentage of that money goes to the to to the elk foundation and to the mule deer foundation and to the coos deer i don't know how i don't know what the percentage is but it's split pretty well and so they they spend that money on building tanks and re uh seating areas and on and on so that part of it is a great thing for us uh just regular people that hunt but the people that are buying those tags jp they, they want to kill a monster deer they're, they're talking about killing deer like most people never see in their life and the cameras were able to find those deer now you're going to have to have somebody that you believe in and then say, look, I know where a big buck is, and you're going to have to go with him and, and, and see if you can find it. You know, when I started guiding those governor tags, you know, 30 years ago, there, there, there was no cameras. Uh, and they just hired me, and I went up there the old-fashioned way, and we found great big bucks and killed them. And, and it's just that simple. So, but it's going to have to go back to that way. Do you think this will change the price in which people are, will be willing to pay? I don't know, JP. I, I can't answer that. I, that's a hypothetical question that I, I don't know the answer. Uh, uh, the reason I say that, JP, is because they're selling the picture to a lot of these guys before they even bid. Right. They say, I got a picture of this buck right here at such and such place out on the strip, and here's about 30 pictures of this deer, and we think he's going to score 260. Well, that's easier to bid on that, JP, because you know that deer's there. Well, now they don't got a picture of that 260 deer. You're going to have to take somebody's word for it. So I'm, I'm surmising that it's, the price is going to go down. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm guessing because they're not going to want to know where a 460 bull is like they killed last year. They're not going to know where that is. Unless they go out there and put eyes on it, that takes a lot of effort, man. That's that's not easy, I mean, right? You you got to put day in and day in and day in out there and finding that thing and watching it, and it's not that easy because I've done it all my life. So most most people don't have the the, the fortitude or the know how to do that. Yeah, and just thinking, um, you know, with technology, the phone scope is going to be so much more important. You know, pictures off, you know, on the hoof because you can't. Uh, you can't use a trail camera picture. Obviously, this year they still can, but starting next year, January of next year, they can't. But, you know, phone scopes, it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be actually somebody's butt up on top of a mountain. It's got to be live pictures of somebody well, finding it. And, and, that, and that's, you just answered the question right there, is the phone scope. But that that's, again, JP, that's somebody sitting out there looking. That's putting time in, days in and days out. The trail camera, that's not what happened, JP. That, that took that step away because they would catch a big buck or a bull coming to a drinker and then they would set the people out there on the knobs. 
that's and, and, and find the deer. See that that's going to take a critical step away because if you don't know that deer's there, you're on an Easter egg hunt looking for a big deer. And I gotta believe, and and again, I'm giving information that I just hear. Dwayne, you're you're you know obviously you've immersed your life in this. I I, I don't. I gotta you know I, I'm not I don't make a living in the outdoors. I matter of fact, I spend most of my money in the outdoors. I don't make any living from the outdoors. <laughs> my wife always says, "You you provide a living for all those in the outdoors." Um, so I've heard, um, you know, I could throw names out there, but I won't. But and, and this is in a good, this is in a good way. You know, one outfitter saying to the other outfitter, let's just use a strip as example. Hey, we all know that same buck, and my client ain't hunting that buck, so I'll share it with this. I gotta believe that's probably going to cinch that up a little bit, a little bit more tight-lipped um, now than it probably ever has been. So you just getting back to the, you know, as as you talk it out, as I talk it out. Um, I see where a lot of these uh, other outfitters that don't want cameras, it, it, it levels the playing field. I mean, it really does. It's going to put you know the skills back in the glasser and the guy that's willing to put the time in, um, effort, energy, money, all that into if they're going to make a living as an outfitter doing this, you know, it just goes back to the old way of always doing it. So, I mean, as, as I talk it out, I, I think it's good. I mean, I really, really do. I don't, I don't see the bad in it um, other than what I shared with the commissioner or the commission, whoever it was when I called in, my, my, um, my two cents wasn't from, the, the, from a camera user standpoint. I said, we're creating a lot of division in an already small community. Like some people think hunting is very big, but it's not. The hunting community is very small. I have a buddy that's like a bigwig in the hunting community. He owns a bunch of businesses, and he always says it. He goes, yeah, people think like, oh, I want to create a product, and I'm going to become a multimillionaire and sell it to all the hunters. He goes, the hunting is, hunting community is very small. These companies, they're very selective on what they're going to put out there because it's, it could be such a big cost. So I just felt like, you know, uh, eliminating them is creating more division, but uh, I guess there's just division even without eliminating them. So yeah, how, how do they win? I don't know how the Game and Fish could have won that that battle I, I i don't know either i i know other states have restricted restricted them too uh, uh a lot of them have d- d- not only just cancel them but they they you have to pick them up by a certain time they can be out from august to january there's a lot of ways to do it and it's all has to do with the same thing jp they got so many complaints and so many headaches and you know and and and, and i and, and i do know ranchers that uh, that that are aggravated with them because they've told me that because they, they go there and there's a four or five guys checking the tank so and running the cattle off and, and you know not and that's what the ranchers have told me so i think it's been you know they can they they're in a rock and a hard place either way you look at it they got to do something i guess yeah well nick said this last time i had nick on a podcast he's like we're the ones to blame like the hunters are the ones to blame never police ourselves and i uh, he made that point I thought it was such a good point. I'd never thought of it that way. He's like, why in the world are other hunters uh, destroying and vandalizing somebody else's equipment out in the field? If you just wouldn't do that, probably wouldn't have near the complaints. But it, that's the that's what I hear, you know, from a from a social media standpoint. What do I typically hear on all the hunting forums? Is hey, anybody know somebody up in unit X Y Z? You know, I lost four of my cameras. They were destroyed. They were damaged. And I and I don't. I have a hard time believing that it's just anti-hunters that are out there trashing cameras. I believe it's other jealous hunters. And what a shame. I mean, again, just being a small community of people, just I've never understood 
people messing with other people's equipment. Like, if it's not mine, I ain't going to touch it. Matter of fact, I don't even want to get close to it. I don't even want to get my picture on it if I walk up to a water hole, just in fear that somebody might think I'm there if it gets vandalized later. Like, I just never understood that. So we're partly to blame, you know? Oh, every word of that's the truth. Uh, Nick gave good advice there. And, 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 and that's in the hunting world all over. It's just not this. It's, we're, we're to blame for a lot of the nonsense. One thing I've learned about environmentalists that, that I've dealt with in my lifetime, they are like ants. And what I mean by that, they're all in the same line and they're all going the same direction. And hunters are like quail going in 30 directions when they take off. And everybody's right and nobody's right. Well, that's a pretty good point. <laughs> that's actually a really good point. Yeah. What What do you think is going to happen to? Uh, I'll give you an, an analogy and tell me if you think, just based on your experience, this will have an impact on it. So, back when I was in Wisconsin, um, I lived back there in the 2008, you know, housing crash. And prior to that, 2000, you know, four or five, it was it was just like it is today. I mean. Houses were selling at unbelievable prices, and everybody became a realtor. Back in Wisconsin, everybody became a realtor. And my best friend was a very successful realtor. And then when all of a sudden the housing market crashed, all these people that became realtors, you know, they didn't have a, a foundation. They were just selling homes because everybody wanted to buy one, so it was very easy to make money. When it became tough, they all left. Like, all their licenses dried up, and, and here was my buddy that was left. And he had a huge foundation because he'd done this his whole life. And as it started to come back, he grew even bigger and bigger and bigger because he's, he was able to withstand some of that stuff. So, like, can you see that being the case with a lot of the outfitters? There seems to be a lot more outfitters than there ever has been. Like, the ability to make money and, and guys wanting to be in the outdoor industry, social media, the, the hype, the fame, and all that kind of stuff. With cameras going away, maybe, you know, changing the game a little bit, can you see... Uh, could you see that weeding out some of the outfitting or outfitting businesses in, in this state? I don't know, JP. I, I, I can't answer that, but I will say this. It takes a lot to be an outfitter. Most people don't realize the permits that we have to, to get from the Forest Service and the BLM and the insurance that you have to get to guide. The guide's license is, is cheap. That's $300, but you got to buy a million dollars worth of liability insurance uh and then and then you got to buy a forest service permit for every uh forest that you're hunting and that's that's the deterrent jp and that's a big deterrent because i hear guys telling me all the time i'm tired of messing with all the, all the paperwork and i'm going to be honest with you if it wasn't for mary i don't think i'd be doing it because it's so it's so time consuming it, there's so much work to get all of that paperwork in and and you and you got to have it in on time. You got to be right, it, and then you got to pay three percent gross JP. That's another thing people don't realize. It's not net. So if you 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 gross a hundred thousand dollars, you got to give them three thousand dollars right off the top, and that's not counting all of the the legal stuff that you bought before. So there's a lot to to being an outfitter. I tell people all the time. Uh, look, it's not as easy as you think. And there's just because you want to be a, a great big outfitter and, and be famous, there's a lot it takes to be there. A lot of sacrifice. And, and uh, you better have a wife like Mary. And I tell that all the time because if you don't, you're going to end up divorced. And uh, 
I was fortunate enough that I married a good, God-fearing woman. But we we had a pack, JP, and and I told Mary she had let me hunt. The next six months were hers, and we have survived forty-three years of marriage like that. And and what I mean by that, when hunting season's over, it's over for me. I mean, I don't, I I don't, I don't do anything with it. I don't scout. I don't do anything. And I do what she says, and, and, and I literally do whatever she wants to do. And I'll tell you an example of that. I came home one day about 25 years ago, and she says, I signed you up for dance classes. And, and, and I was about ready to lose my mind. <laughs> and I said, dance classes? And she says, yeah. She says, uh, I know hunting season's over, so next weekend we have dance dance lessons. And I'm thinking... I mean, I didn't want to go to no dance lessons, I, but I had just hunted for months on end, and she never did anything but support me. So I said, oh, I, I, that'll be fun. And I thought, what am I going to do at dance lessons? So, JP, I go to dance lessons, and there, there's about 40, 50 couples there. And I'm going to tell you, it was the best thing I ever went to. I'm going to tell you the truth. We learned all of the different dances that Mary wanted to do, you know, how to jitterbug, how to do this, how to waltz, and everything she wanted to do. And all she wanted to do was when we went to a wedding, get up and dance. And and now every time we go to a wedding or we go to an outing, I dance two or three times with Mary. So, I and I tell guys in my guide school, I could have had a fit and said, I'm not going to that. I'm not doing that. But she didn't have no fit helping me in my hunting business. So you can't drive down the road and drive everybody in the ditch and expect everybody to be there when you look back. They're not going to be there. And so I went to dance lessons, and, 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 and it was the best thing I ever did. And it taught me a big lesson, too, to keep my mouth shut. So. <laughs> well, you married an angel. You know, you, I mean, you know that. Um, and what a good story. What a great story. And you know what? I, I think of this all the time, and my wife and I talk about this. Um, Nick, your son-in-law, who's you know one of my best friends, and married your daughter, obviously Mary, um, who's one of my best friends, and their Nick, marriage. Nick, Nick married up. Nick married up. He's a good. He's a good salesman. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, he goes through the same thing. Like they, they have a, they have four children, four boys, and. You know, he's gone a lot, but it's that same thing. I always, my wife was like, how does Mary do that? I'm like, well, she grew up that way. That's, that's kind of what, you know, her dad and mom modeled for just a great marriage. And then, you know, kind of, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have the words for it, but I watch how it works and I watch how you modeled it and, and how they adopt it too and, and make it work really well. Cause you are gone a lot. I mean, what's hunting season? It's such a short season, but it's back to back to back to back to back. And then boom, it's over. And, and, you know, and, you know, and, and, and that's the truth. And when I tell these young men to come, come to, that want to come to my guide school, I said, look, you have to turn the rest of the season over to your family and to your wife. And I'm going to tell you, whatever they want to do, you do it with a smile, and just like they did with you. And, and if you don't, you're going to be divorced. I'm telling you right now, you're going to be divorced. And Nick's learned that. I mean, I mean my daughter... She's had she's had three or four trips since hunting season's over with, and he went with a smile to the Vegas and the different places that they they go, and, and, and so it's a sacrifice that you're going you're going to do, but at the same time, 
it's a great sacrifice because you get to spend time with your family. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's that simple. You know, I went fly fishing JP two weeks ago up in Chama with Ivan Valdez and, and, and he's a great fly fisherman. And I told Ivan, I said, look, I, all I want you to do is let Mary catch fish. And I said, and Mary never fly fished. I said, I know how to do this. Just take Mary. So, after about the fourth fish, she caught fly fishing, and I filmed all of them. I mean, she's tickled to death. We're having a great time. Uh, it worked out like clockwork. So um, she wanted to go fly fishing. She suggested that, and thank God, you know, I like to do that. She said, I'd like to do that. So, and in fact, next week we're going to Durango. This is another thing she wanted to do is we're going to take that Silverton ride from Durango all the way up to Silverton and, and back, and, you know, my grand, my grandfather and my dad were railroad engineers, JP. So I rode in a train all my life with my with my grandfather and my dad. But Mary never has, and so she suggested that. So what's what we're gonna do? She bought the tickets, so we're going up to Durango, Colorado. We're gonna ride the train. That's gonna be a great time. That's beautiful up there. We're headed up there the weekend after you're done. We have a baseball tournament. Tell your ride. And it's well, yeah. good for you guys. Yeah, man, is that beautiful? It's neat what you're saying. Uh, tomorrow morning, I go and I test drive a boat. Um, you know, we we do we chase sports like crazy, like like it's our job, and we do sports and all that. And you and I have talked about this before, like just not creating the memories. And now my boy Gunner, my older boy, he's 16. He's driving. Um, I don't see him as much anymore because with sports, they're they're just it's go go go, and and we love it. He loves it. I mean, he's immersed in it. He just he he really really loves it. So it's not like anything we have to force him to do. We just don't get outdoors. And we're every Sunday we leave church. I tell my wife, I'm like, you know what we could be doing? We could go home, pack a lunch, and go out on a boat and just have family time and create every Sunday is family time. Yeah, but you know boats are expensive. And we always him haw. Finally, I think it was last weekend, it was 4th of July weekend, my daughter was up north with some friends. Me, my wife, and my son were here. My other son was at a friend's house camping. And I'm like, we're not anywhere. Like, we don't have a camper. We don't have a boat. And why don't we have those kind of things? Just because we're trying to, you know, miser and, and hoard our money for when we get to retirement. I'm like, we're wasting precious memories. So tomorrow I go test drive a boat and uh, fish and ski because my, my kids want to ski and tube. And my my wife loves to fish, so I'm like, well, the best thing we can do then is get one that does both. And we're gonna go create so many stinking memories, um, just getting out on the water and doing whatever the family wants to do. Because man, I don't know what it is, but I mean, you you your children obviously are older. There's you know they're my age, well, not quite my age, but once my son got his driver's license, I realized I don't see him near as often. And a whole bunch of mentors in my life always said, once your kids get to high school. It's going to go by in a snap of a finger, and you'll wish you would have that time back. And, man, it, it chokes me up every time I think about I have three more years with my oldest boy, and then he's gone. And then he's probably going out you know, to college and into the real world, and then what? I'm like, man, we got to make memories. So whatever they want to do, I want to do. So I, I, JP, those, those are the uh, – I, I mean, I almost choked up listening to that because it's a truth. And, and I – took heed of that and i took my children with me all the time i took them jp i didn't mess around i took them and and it it, it, it it's a pontoon boat we took our children and we fished and we stayed all day and we we had a blast with that thing i'm telling you right now and we took all their friends that's why we bought that boat because we could take a, a eight or ten kids and we fished and they skied and we tubed and, and it was a, a lot of fun so i'm telling you 
Gunner's going to be gone, and if you do, you don't take him, you're going you're going to regret it. I'm telling you right now, that's 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 the smartest thing you can do. Yeah, well, it's uh, the only reason I'm test driving is just to make sure it runs good on the water. I've, I've already went and looked at it. And was fortunate enough, one guy passed on it because we. I told him, I said, hey, you just got to give me a couple days and I'll have the money for you. I got a guy coming and I'm like, well, I told him, I'm like, well, just tell him it's a bad boat because I'm going to buy it from you. As long as that thing runs on the water, I'm buying it from you. So we're going out tomorrow on Lake Bartlett and uh, we're going to buzz around a little bit. And so I'm excited for it. You know, just I never really fished much here. Didn't spend much time on the water. My kids, my, my son actually is on the water today with some friends that have a boat. And he just, he looked forward to it all week long. And I'm like, that's what I'm missing. Like, I want to be the cool dad taking my kids and their buddies out on the water. Because then I'm with them and I get to create those memories. And then in the wintertime, we can fish all we want. And uh, I love hunting. You know, that's kind of what I always grew up with. Um, but we did a lot of fishing, too. And my wife loves to fish. So this will be great. This will be a great family time. Good for you. Yeah. So, um Going back to some of the stuff that you guys do, glassing lessons, you mentioned it. Do you do much glassing lessons in the summer? We've been doing them all week. Uh, I mean, ever since the, 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 they opened the forest back up, up in the Catalinas, Nick and I have been doing them. You better believe it. So uh, we've been giving glassing lessons right along. I've got a, a guy, we got to have a guy coming this Saturday. And all, all ch- children are free, uh, JP, under 18 years old. So we take all kids for free. So if they if they bring two or three children, we I don't care. We we bring them and we take them and teach them how to glass with their parents, and then that way they can have a tremendous time. And, and uh, believe it or not, JP, about fifty percent of the of the children are girls now that we're giving lessons to. Wow! And it's really we had a little girl. She was thirteen, and she stayed in the glasses, and she started finding a deer, and her dad said. She loves hunting, Mr. Adams. He said, he said, it's not that important to me, but it is important to her. And so I, Nick and I really honed her in how, what to do, how to look, how to get the angles. And she started picking up the deer. And, and uh, next thing you know, she gave me a hug. And I almost got choked up. She said, <laughs> I think I got this. She said, I think I got it, Dad. And, and he said, Jesus, Dwayne. He said, this, that's unbelievable. And I said, and so she, she's went out with her dad since glassing. And uh, she texts Nick and said, I can find deer now. Look, that, how, how can you? And she said, the, the dad said, this gives, we'll be able to build memories, camping and hunting and all the stuff. He, he said, I'm not that good of a hunter. And he said, so that's why I hired you guys to teach us how to glass. Oh, man. that's Well, for those that are listening, glassing lessons. So, you know, I'll, I have a big audience back in the Midwest because that's kind of where I came from. I got a large network back there. When you talk glassing um, here, if if I when I first came from the Midwest and I thought about glassing, it just it was kind of like a mental block. Like I was used to sitting in a tree stand. That's kind of how you hunted. You sat in a tree stand, and uh, you know, twenty yards away, a deer would walk. You just pandered the deer. You hunted little tracks of land. But you come out here and you're hunting this big, huge area. Now, I, I, honestly, I, I love glassing because it, there's a challenge in it. There's there's such um, victory when you find an animal. So when I've taken my kids out, like I, I adopted the same uh, philosophy that you've said. You said on my podcast, you've said on multiple podcasts. I just tell them I'm going to pay them for whatever animals they find. You get a dollar for a javelina, you get $3 for you know this. No, no money for a donkey if we're hunting close to, 
to uh, Phoenix because I'll go broke because there's donkeys everywhere. But I mean, they get so excited when they find an animal. And for me, it's like even more exciting, like, wow, watching them kind of develop into outdoorsmen and learn some glassing skills. And they're not colorblind like me, so they can see way better. I keep telling them all the time, like, you guys have no idea the benefit that you're going to have as you get older and older hunting in this great state and having, you know, been around the people like you and Nick and you guys have been so just awesome to us and, and teaching my kids. I'm like, you guys just have no idea what your future is going to be. But like that, like that dad told you, man, I can do this for the rest of my life with my kids. At some point, my kids' sports is going to end. And that's, that's my greatest joy. I mean, my, one of my greatest joys is sitting on the field, whether it's football or baseball or horse with my daughter and just sitting there and just watching them, you know, just loving that they're having fun, but that'll be over soon. But hunting doesn't have to be, I can do that for Lord willing. I can do that, you know, for a long, long, long time. So I love it. Well, that's the truth. Both of my children, uh, uh, they'll tell you when you talk to them, they all played sports and they were very good athletes. But Luke will tell you, if you talk to him, he'll say, dad, the best fun we ever had was us as a family hunting. Me chasing a deer or Mary Jean chasing a deer. He said, the vivid memories of all the stuff that we did in the set in the rain, in the hot, fighting the deer, on and on and on. He said, and that's why this year we took the grandsons with us. Deer, five grandsons went deer hunting with us this year with my daughter and my son. And, and, and look, and it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy it, by any means. But in certain, when it got to certain tough places, Nick or Mary or me would carry Hunter on our back up to the, to, to the glassing places and then put him down when it got leveled. He just, he just stayed right with us. And, and those boys, they have no idea. Right now, that, you know, they just, I'm just grandpa, but they have no idea the stuff that they're learning by their mom, their dad, their uncle Nick, and Luke, and, and Mary Jean, and, and and Monica, that that we all went, and we let deer after deer go, and I paid those boys $10 a deer. That's what I paid them. I said, and, and if you glass a deer, a pop's going to pay you 10 bucks. and I, I paid, uh, Quinn found the most, he found 40 and Brady found the second, so he got 30 Now listen, they tell me to this day, Pop, I can't wait to go glass again when, when the hunters and mom and dad get the tag. It, it, money's a great incentive. Well, Democrats don't think it is, but it is. It's a great incentive. And when you're paying these kids to do things like that, they'll pay attention, JP. Well, the difference is if you were uh, if you were you know an extreme liberal, Dwayne, you would just give them the money and not make them go find the deer. The difference is you're making them work for it. That's that's <laughs> capitalism, baby. That's how it's supposed to be. Well, you, you said a mouthful there. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, if we were to spin that politically, and I don't want to get political, but what, what, there would be no joy in if I went out and said, ah, oh, my grandpa gave me 40 bucks for what? I don't know. He, you know, I was just glassing with him. He didn't find anything. The real joy is they found the deer. The money's just a cherry on top. You know, although although if they start turning it into a summer job, you know, they'd get really good. They'll be your next guides. You'll have such a group of killers you'd never imagine. If you start giving them summer jobs of finding deer, it'll be incredible. <laughs> it'd be better than any trail camera out there. Yeah, they, they, they had a blast. And, and Mary and I bought all the boys uh, binoculars and tripods for, for Christmas. Uh, good stuff, but not, not cheap stuff, so that the boys wouldn't have handicapped. And, and boy, did they have a good time. Well, maybe mention that. Um, 
you know, for some people that are looking at glassing, and I know you guys share that all the time, and anybody that knows you knows your philosophy, buy the best that you can, but there is a big difference in glass. Um, I know when I moved out here, I had a pair, you know, I won't name names because I'm not that kind of, I'm not sponsored by anybody, so I don't have anything to gain or lose, um, but I brought a pair that were okay for whitetail hunting in Wisconsin, and I remember when I came out here, I jumped on like a, a mule deer forum, and I'm like, where do I find deer? And somebody said, over unit 22 over by Giselle in Rye, I think is what it was. So I drove over there, and I pulled these binos out, and I put them up to my face. I didn't know what a tripod was. I mean, these binoculars couldn't even attach to a tripod, little 10 by 42s. And I looked out in the desert, and I couldn't see maybe 200 yards. I'm like, there's not a deer that even lives in this stuff. This is stupid. Like, I got to go up to the mountains. I had no idea about glass i had no idea about tripods i had no idea about anything i mean i was literally brand new and and i i, I see that a lot i a matter of fact i was talking to a good friend of mine that i hunt with and um you met him you met him hunter hunter parks he came down to the church service we did that time that you did one time sure, sure. and he has buddies because he's into hunting a lot and he has buddies that say hunter i want to get in hunting what do i need to do i want to buy this this and this he always says Buy the best glass you can get. Don't worry about the camouflage. And he said they always show up with the best bow, the highest dollar camouflage, and a super cheap pair of binoculars. And he's like, you've done it all wrong. So maybe just kind of explain that a little bit, like how important binoculars are. Well, every word you're saying is the truth. And and, and, and that's the problem with, with, with binoculars. That they're very expensive. But you, I, I tell people to save up and buy the best pair that you can get your hands on because you shouldn't have to buy three or four sets of them. And you always want to start when you're glassing with a tripod with 15, 56s and a tripod. And you make you have to make sure, and this we run into this all the time, JP, that the tripod, when you stand up, that you don't have to bend over. Before you buy the tripod, make sure you can stand up and look eye to eye with your binoculars. And if you can't, you're not going to be able to bend over, look through a tripod very long before your back kills you. And a lot of times, most people think they're going to sit down. We sit down too, JP, but a lot of times when you sit down, all of the brush in front of you cover you up. So so you have both a angles. You can stand up in glass and then sit down if you have to, but that's really important. But, you know, you have the Zaworskis and the Zeiss and the Leica. They're the best binoculars made. You know, but, but you got to pay for them. And, and Nick and I just tied in with a new company called Right On, R-I-T-O-N, and they're coming out with a new set of 1556s. And we gave the whole group glassing lessons about a month ago, and I was highly impressed. The binoculars are going to be around $800, and they're 1556s. And I was, we kept, I'd look through my binoculars, and then I'd look through their binoculars, and we were looking at deer at about a mile, and I could see them with their binoculars, and I, I was impressed. I mean, but they're not they're not Zaworski at three thousand dollars either. But for eight hundred dollars, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna really be a good pair of binoculars. Yeah, that company's making some waves. I saw you guys doing some stuff with them. I'm gonna try to get those guys on the podcast and have them share some of their stuff that they're doing. I think it'd be pretty cool. You bet. Yes. Um, let, let's be honest about you guys sitting down though. Uh, you guys don't have to sit down because here's what, here's my theory on this. And I joke about this all the time, but it's not a joke. Every time I go with Nick or you, 
Well, I, I hunt with Nick obviously a lot. I don't hunt with you that much, but I, I find it you know just a blessing when I get to. But every time I go with Nick, I'm like, okay, here's the joke. Before I even get my binos out of my pack on the tripod, he's already got deer found. Always, always. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. And you don't sit down because he's already covered the ground. And by the time I sit down to get a little more set, he's like, all right, let's move. No, no deer here. Or all right, no bucks we want to kill here. Let's go to the next spot. Like you guys are so good at glassing. And I tell people that all the time. I, matter of fact, last year I was telling a couple of buddies that drew some Kaibab, Kaibab tags. I'm like, you got to hire these guys. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, they're my buddies, but I'm just telling you it's you're hiring because you will be blown away by the deer you don't see if you do it on your own in the same spot that if they walked up, they'd find a buck that you'd want to kill. I mean, it's just, you guys are that good. So your glassing lessons are obviously you're, you're trying to transfer those skills out to other people. And, and I think it's really, really cool. So I'll make sure in the show notes and all that kind of stuff that I'll share how to get a hold of you and hopefully you send some people your way. It is so. interesting. Your friend did hire us and, and he's a very nice man. Uh, and he brought his buddy with him and, and, and after day two, he got me off the site. He said, and he told me, he said, it's the best thing I ever did, Dwayne. I said, what, what, what do you mean? He said, hired you guys. He said, I can't find a buck after he shows them to me. <laughs> and, he, and he missed a good deer. And then uh, he came back to camp and he said, I missed a deer today. I said, so what? I said, he's going to find another big buck tomorrow. And that's what happened. And his buddy that, 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 uh, it was with him before he left he said when i get this tag i'm hiring you guys he said i i'm not coming up here on easter egg hunt i learned more in the week i was here than i'd ever learned on how to find deer and and, and it's that simple jp you know jp and you talked about uh coming to the church service when jason grimley gave gave his uh gave his testimony and and jason which you know uh for the yankees have pitched seven in the big leagues and in pitch for the Diamondbacks as well, and and he t- he put it probably as good as anybody I've ever said heard. He said, "Look, Dwayne," he said, "It's like you going to play baseball against Jerry Derek Jeter," and he said, "That's the difference of what you guys do with binoculars." He said, "We're we're glassing, but not like." like those guys can do it. We will never be able to do what you can do with binoculars. And I never heard it said like that, but he said, you guys are pros. And not only pros, you're as good as there is in the world. Well, I've shared that over and over with everybody, um, just multiple things. Like when you said something, I think I've said it with when I was on the podcast with Nick last, um, when I've had the pleasure just to kind of come along, you know, I just come along to be a set of hands and a, and a friend. And then obviously, you know, on a selfish standpoint, what am I doing? I'm learning from the best, um, watching how you guys glass and all that stuff. But what I found so interesting, it, it, not interesting, but um, apparent is your ability to find deer in watching the clients. Like the last time I was on the Kaibab, you know, kind of a little bit of rigmarole with a client and whatever. And one kind of got a little bit mad. And, you know, there's a lot of the guys put pressure on themselves. They, you know, they hear the Arizona Kaibab or the strip. And, the, you know, I think the mentality is, oh, there's a 200 inch buck around every corner. Well, the one client missed a buck and he kind of got after Nick a little bit like, wow, blah, blah, blah. And I remember kind of just validating when Nick goes, no, you don't need to worry. Like Nick was so calm. He's like, no, don't worry. We'll, we'll find him again. He's like, I just don't think we will. Like he thought it was his last chance at getting that buck. And I remember we were all walking back to the car and I'm like, no, honestly, Nick will find that buck again. Like probably in just about an hour. And it literally 
two hours later back on that same buck like your guys ability not just to find the deer but if they do get away because you can't control the shooting and then you know that kind of stuff if they do get away just your knowledge on where they're going to go and what angle you take to find them again it's just it just it just blows my mind so when i was sharing with my one friend uh, which i have now another friend that just drew that tag and i'm i'm pushing hard for him not because um i I have anything in it but because i know he wants to kill a good deer that's what i know he wants to do he finally drew the tag and i know he wants to kill a good deer so i keep saying you just and he knows you and i'm like but you know he's trying to weigh the cost i'm like the cost is it could take you another 15 years to draw that tag your best chance to kill the deer you want to kill is hiring these guys you know it and he's like i know i know i do you know so it's way in that money game but what i share with my friend the last year he called me goes is it worth it do you think it's worth the money and i'm like 100 percent. i do a lot of guided hunts and i do a lot of nine non-guided hunts and my my mindset is if i draw one if i draw a kaibab tag or i draw a strip tag there's no way in the world i'm going to go try to do that on my own i just i don't do this for a living I can't find deer like you can or elk like you can or coos deer like you can. And so well, I don't want to wait another 19 years. I, mean, I, I had a friend that drew this, a, a strip rifle tag, like six years ago when and my son was playing baseball with his son. And I'm like, are you going to hire an outfitter? And he's like, no, I'm going to do this on my own. He shot a two point, a two point, like I believe that 12 believe inches it. wide. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, you had the opportunity to kill. And, and, you know, maybe that's just all he wanted to kill. I don't know. But he waited 19 years to get the tag. And so it's not easy, JP. It, people, that's what people think. Once you get into those top end bucks, you know, they're between four and a half and eight and a half years old. They've been hunted 25 times. They, they, they know how to hide and you better know how to find them because regular people don't. I always tell people, JP, first thing they do when they come to glassing, I ask them what they do for a living. And and then they'll tell me, I'm an attorney, I'm a dentist, I work at a store, I do this or I do that. And I said, this is kind of how it works. I said, if I went to your office and told you how to run this business, the first day I walked in, you'd look at me like I was nuts, wouldn't you? And they say, yeah. I said, that's what I'm going to teach you. All the stuff you're doing wrong. And within about Two stops, Nick and I found between 25 and 30 deer, and they have not found a deer. <laughs> and, and it's that simple. And I said, so as we start connecting the dots, and I said, it's that simple. And they said, yeah, but Dwayne, can you do this deer in steer season? And I said, yeah, I've killed 548 coos deer on public land. <laughs> and that, so that's not an accident. This works all the time. The difference is you don't have the time to do it because you work. That's so I'm trying to connect those dots there and, 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 and back to, to those guys that, that found that deer that when you was with them and they, they were all a shot and miss and everything. The difference is, and Nick will tell you this, I put him with two of the best kids that, that worked for me, Rick and John Weiler. And I said, and, and, uh, and I did it on purpose, JP, because Mary came home and said, uh, Nick wants to be a guide. I said, supposed to be a guide he said yeah and i said well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna train him and my wife got mad at me she said what do you mean you're not gonna train him i said mary i trained nick and i said he don't like something i say to him he's gonna tell my daughter my daughter's gonna tell you and then i'm in trouble ain't gonna work like that i said i'm sending him for them wilder boys and then they could just chew nick's butt out i don't care (laughs) (laughs) if that's what happened but 
truly, Nick will tell you this. They said, Nick, this is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing this. When we see those deer, they're going to do this. They're going to do that. So it's just like baseball. It's like anything else. Once you do it enough times, you you know that those deer are going to do this. So it, it's not a guessing game. And you know if you get around over there, you're going to be able to pick them up. JP, that's why I have and you've met a lot of the young guys that come to my guide school up there. That's why I make them come for a full year. They 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 all think they're good hunters until they're around somebody like us, and then they realize they don't know nothing. And 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 and, and they understand right away that bang bang bang, we're moving, move, move, there's a buck. And 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 then I I start at pounding them. I said, did you see what Frank told you or Al or or Nick's telling you? I just don't understand. I would have never done that, Mr. Adams. And I said, that's why you're here, son. That's why you're here. So that I can take a lot of that m- mistakes away from you. And you just think like everybody else here. Yeah, I've had the pleasure of hunting with Rick and, and John. <clears throat> and I remember when I, when I drew my elk tag in Unit 1 with you, and I heard you guys. And I didn't know you. I mean, I had never met you yet. And you called and you said, hey, I'm putting you with a couple killers. And I remember you saying that. And then I met him and I'm like, Wow. These guys are amazing. Now I have a, I have a good relationship with Rick. Rick and I talk quite a bit. Um, he yeah. just called me about something else the other day, and he's like, "Now you got that? What what unit you got? Here's what you need to do." Like he just we become really good friends, and that's it's so unique. You know, it just doesn't happen. Like you're, I've said it before. Your group of guys that you have are just world class. Like you you've hired the right guys, and if you want evidence of how good you guys all are. Just take Nick for an example. Like Nick didn't grow up in the outdoors and his knowledge of hunting is so off the charts. His ability to find deer and kill deer and elk and all that stuff in the short amount of time that he's done it is unreal. And he always says, he goes, I've had the best teachers you could ever possibly have. It shortened the learning curve like it completely smashed the learning curve and I was you know, thrust in with the best of the best right away. And I got to pick up nothing but good habits and, and good skills. I'm like, I tell everybody that, like, I'm always saying, you got to come hunt this late archery season and you got to hire my buddy. I'm like, you have no idea how good you this this guy can find deer. And I'm just always amazed. Every time my buddy Greg comes, I'm like, Greg, watch this. Nick will find a buck before I get my binos out of the out of my pack. <laughs> get my binos out. Nick's like, I got a big buck. I'm like, of course you do. <laughs> I don't even have my tripod set up yet. And you got a giant buck. And that happened last year to you guys too. It did. And he found a giant. It was every spot we went to. Uh, so finally, I'm like, I'm going to start wearing my 15s around my neck just so I can have them out soon enough to try to find it. My whole goal, and I haven't done it yet. And I've been hunting, you know, I come down there and, and hunt with Nick, you know, periodically five years now, whatever it's been, six years. Sure. I have yet to find a deer before, before he's found one. That's my whole goal. If I find a deer before Nick, I can retire. I'm like, I, I made it. I finally made it if I can find one before him. So that's good. Um, last, let's chat. What do you think of this OTC type stuff the over-the-counter tags i mean that's been very very i got some theories on it and i don't know if i should share them on here but you know cutting some over-the-counter units off and in that what do you think the future looks for for that well i'm going to answer that question uh jp in 1993 when the phoenix suns were in the last playoff with charles barkley and 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 that group we were three million one hundred thousand people in the state and i just said on this playoff that were 7,600,000. Wow. Now that was, so in 20, 
five years, JP, we've gained over four, almost five million people. So wh why that, I, I say that, something's got to be done. And it back, goes back to the game of fish that you're talking about earlier with the cameras. Uh, and and out-of-staters are pouring in here by the thousands. And I don't mean to, they're pouring in here to, to live. That's not what I'm saying. They're pouring in here to hunt because it's January and everything throws out all over the United States and it's over the counter and, it, and they have a chance to kill a big mule deer or a big coos deer and, and, and they don't so it's I don't know what they're going to do JP I don't know if they're going to go to a draw I, I don't have a clue what they're going to do but I do know one thing uh, I have a cousin that's in real estate and and, and she tells me that 15,000 people move to this state a month and that's the statistics. And and so you can add, JP, it, it ain't going to take long and we're going to be at 8 million. So something's got to be done. And I, I think that eventually, I think the best thing to do to make it to Ferris is just to put it on a draw and, and open up every zone to a draw. And whoever draws it, I think it'll be an unbelievable great hunt because where else can you hunt a rut with a bow yeah yeah well not many people the good part for me is not many people are putting in for 20b my no. favorite my, my favorite unit <laughs> i always joke about that like people got right. camera problems up there in 10 and 9 we don't have no problems in 20b <laughs> no. uh well i mean I, I that's just that's an amazing statistic in 25 years Four million more people and fifteen thousand a month. You can see it in the building. I mean, it's unreal. So everybody from California keeps moving over here, and a lot of people from Arizona get mad. I'm like, what are you getting mad for? Let them all come over here, then we'll just all go over to California. I mean, I'd rather live huh. on the beach anyway. <laughs> yeah, we can't even afford to the sand there. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was at my friend's house today, and I'm hoping to send a guy your way. I told him, I said, you have to listen to my podcast. I, so I, I was at my friend's house, and a guy putting in his cabinets. Um, I was introduced to him, and my friend had said to this guy, he goes, hey, this is the guy's podcast I told you to listen to. And and uh, I said, oh, hey, thanks, man. Thanks for listening. He goes, I haven't listened yet. He goes, but I got some good news. I just found out today I drew an Arizona deer tag. He goes, I'm a bow hunter, but I drew a rifle tag, either unit 12 or 13. And I'm like, well, you need to listen to the podcast I'm doing today at 4 o'clock. I said, if you drew a unit 12 tag, you need to hire this guy. Because I told him, he's like, I said, are you going to hire an outfitter? Hopefully, he goes, I absolutely am. So I don't know what unit he has. I'm assuming he probably got 12, but he only had two points. Two points, and he drew either unit 12 or 13. Well, God bless him. If he drew it, and he drew 12, he just, I'll be glad to talk to him, and, and we'll hunt, hunt uh, and try to kill him a monster buck. Yeah, so, well, um, are you guys doing early season coups, early season mule deer in multiple units this year? Yeah, yeah. We're, we've got some calls, but like anything else, JP, nobody knows what they drew until they get to look at the portal here in another week or so but yeah we we're it's like that's you know how that is but yeah you bet so i think the kaibab is going to be unbelievable uh i talked to a friend of mine up there and he said they've got a couple of really good rains and they opened the kaibab up again this morning at six o'clock so that means they've got to get some rains up there and i think that's going to make a big difference because about september 15th is when those deer will start rubbing their horns so we've got another you know almost two months of uh, serious growth 
once we get some serious rain up there and we're getting those monsoons up there and so i think it could be unbelievable and you know we killed that buck last year on the on that late season i think uh, nick showed you scored 225 man and and we killed three bucks on the early season that were uh, 200 inches so uh, and that was on a drought year so if we they get the rain here i think it could be unbelievable wow so are you doing some early season archery coups no no i'm not okay i'm not doing them uh I, i'm all i'm gonna do is just uh, come right out of the elk hunt and get ready to go to the kaibab and you'll do the early what will you do the early archery kaibab no no i'm not we're not gonna do that either uh this year we didn't we didn't draw anybody oh okay okay well um if anybody's listening and you need uh you need the outfitters give Dwayne a call and uh, at least chat with him and and uh, find out take his glassing lessons hook him up and get hooked up with him and and uh, you'll have a world-class time there's no question but Dwayne I always enjoy talking with you and getting to spend time with you and just I really love getting to know your family and um, obviously they become a huge part of our family um, and so just wild how the outdoors can connect people and and you know kind of just reiterating what we talked about with kids just the connection and the community and the bond that you can have for literally the, the rest of your life like we'll, we'll, we'll have a relationship you know for the rest of our lives i'll have a relationship with nick and mary and their boys and get to watch their boys kill a bunch of animals and hopefully be part of that and you know for the rest yeah. of my life and uh you don't get to do that with any there's just very few things you get to do that with in the outdoors is whether that's hunting or fishing it's such a great bond and so i would encourage everybody to get your kids out any way that you can and uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna be experiencing the arizona fishing here pretty soon so you watch this sun, this suntan i'm gonna be all tanned up and bass fishermen like you never see i'm gonna give rick and john a run for their money there you go uh, you want me to give you my phone number for glassing lessons or hunting yep give it out and then i'll put it up on the notes as well but go ahead and share it out nick you bet or, uh, if you're interested in, in, in my glassing lessons with nick and i it's five two zero three eight five four nine nine five and that's Dwayne adams and just give me a call and if you drew a kaibab tag or any other tag i also draw maps jp uh for a small fee to help people if they can't hire a guy i just want to try to help any way i can yeah well you're you're a legend in the industry and uh for a good reason because you've done it right from day one so i appreciate you and i appreciate all that you do for uh, the outdoors and and uh for everything Dwayne. so we'll, we'll chat with you soon okay buddy God bless you, JP. Uh, bye God, bye. God bless you too.